fascinating, interesting debate show is live in the huddle. Ladies and gents, boys and girls from around the world, welcome back to another episode of In the Huddle EP 269. I believe it's 269. And if you ask me how I'm doing, I'm doing just fine. Other than the fact that your boy caught COVID, you know, um, the last couple of weeks. And it's been a very interesting experience. I'll just leave it like that, man. Uh, brother was down and out. You know, uh, I had to I had to get up on my game, man. I've been slacking a little bit. Disney where I went on vacation. Nobody in the, the daggone amusement park had no mask on. So I kind of felt like, you know, I could get away with it. And boom, they got me. That's why you can never get caught slipping out here in these streets, bro. The moment you get caught slipping and you now your P's and Q's, they get you. But guess what? I'm here. I'm feeling much better. And I'm just glad to be back here on this show. It's been two weeks and now we shall speak. So let it be written. So let it be done. Little Shadamas on the mic. Zach and Zay, we come to play. Zach, I'm going to start with you. How are you feeling today? Well, what's going on, my guy? Happy to be here. Happy you're you're back feeling better. Zay, what's going on? I know uh, we're going to get to you in a second. But yeah, it really does feel like it's been a while since the last time we've, we've recorded. There have been uh, so many storylines in training camp around the NFL. Uh, we're going to get into another division preview today. A bunch of uh, NFL storylines to get to, even an NBA storyline. Uh, and yeah, just happy to be here as always, as we are now just getting closer and closer to week one of the NFL season. It's crazy. We're going to be having real college football games this weekend that count. I know I'm going to be getting ready for uh, Nebraska and Northwestern in Dublin, Ireland, Saturday afternoon. Just nothing like sitting on the couch, uh, getting ready to watch a real actual football game. I can't wait. And uh, you guys know that we're going to be breaking it all down here on In the Huddle. So yeah, happy to be here as always. Good vibes. What's going on? Hey, man, I know uh, I've always grew up listening to the, all these different phrases to say you're hot. And I never thought I'd be the individual that said I am glistening because that's how damn hot it is in this house right now. <laughs> it's ridiculous <laughs> how hot it is. And, you know, everyone stay hydrated. Make sure you don't pass out outside. But, you know, I'm always in paradise. And essentially, uh, I'm excited for sports and football right around the corner. Basketball still having the explosive news day in and day out, which is ridiculous. I don't know how. Uh, basketball is still staying relevant so far after the season. It's ridiculous. But, um, you know, the, the sports world right now is blazing. I can't wait to talk about it with you guys. I mean, I can tell you one of the reasons why the NBA is staying relevant, and that's partly in due to Kevin Durant. I mean, my God, this guy's a walking headline. Every single summer, the guy just takes it for the team, takes it for the team of media. You know, he always gives people their time of day on social media, on Twitter. He does it for the culture. And I had to think about it before I came on the show. I respect Kevin Durant for that. Okay. He gave us a lot of content even today. And we're going to get right to it right about now as the Brooklyn Nets and Kevin Durant, they meet, agree to move forward together at the Kevin Durant's trade demands or the Nets making a mistake by making amends with Kevin Durant. And Zay, I want to keep it with you to kick us off. I mean, they had no choice. You signed the guy to a four-year contract. You had no choice but to make amends with Kevin Durant. It was no way you was getting what you paid for him in any other trade or any trade possible. Any trade that you trade Kevin Durant, you lose that trade. There's no potential situation where you're winning that trade. So, you know, they made they did what they felt like was best, and that was to make amends with him and try to uh, most, uh, you know, try to fix this relationship that they have between each other. Listen, I think when you talk about what Kevin Durant asked, you know, and what the owner was saying about the team, about saying, I'd rather have a, a, a 40 win team than guys who don't 
a little live up to their potential. You know, those are shots being taken between both te- both sides, between Kevin Durant to the organization and the organization to Kevin Durant. So I'm glad they was able to make amends. When you look at this roster with Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving, you they you see they made um, particular changes and moves to fix what's wrong with this team: defense, shooting threes, um, having guys that move the ball, not relying so much on Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving to dribble the ball up and down the court, play defense, and do everything else. Now Kevin Durant, Kyrie could do what they do best, and that's score the basketball. I think that was something that I'm glad that the Nets realized because they knew they wasn't getting any kind of value by trading Kevin Durant. You keep, you could try to get Jalen Brown, Marcus Smart, all these other guys. They're not Kevin Durant. You could try to trade for Scotty Barnes at a bevy of picks. That's not Kevin Durant. They're not going to give you what Kevin Durant brings to a basketball team. And I'm glad that they realized that before making a really dumb and egotistical decision just to try to save face, just to say, oh, well, if nobody wants to stay here, then they don't have to. No, you paid the guy four years, $198 million, keep him on the team, and try to win this thing. That's it. There should be no reason why a star player is disgruntled on your team that you just paid almost $15 million a year, and then he says, I don't want to be here no more. Like You have to fix that. That's the money. That's your investment that you just paid for this past offseason. So you have to fix that. Zach, what's your thoughts, my guy? Yeah, so there is a small part of me that does respect Joe Sy in the fact that he's really the first owner to just shut down this player empowerment completely. He is not budgeting. He's not trading Kevin Durant. And if they, if he couldn't find a deal that he thought was for the appropriate value, I don't blame him for that. I respect him for that. Part of me does. But at the same time, I just don't like when they say, oh, the Nets had to make amends with Kevin Durant. They made amends with him. Like, I'm not convinced that Kevin Durant and the Nets are on good terms right now, even though he's going to be back in Brooklyn to start this season. I mean, guys, he literally said two weeks ago, I want Steve Nash fired. I want Sean Marks fired. And if they're back, I'm not coming back. He said it's either them or me, but both parties are still here. I'm still not entirely convinced that this operation is going to work and they're just going to run everything back and it's going to go smoothly after what I saw last year. I'm not entirely convinced that you could rely on Kyrie Irving to play a full season of basketball. The same thing could be said for Ben Simmons. He hasn't played basketball in over a year. I'm not convinced that Steve Nash is going to be able to coach a team to a far deep run in the playoffs. And I just don't think the chemistry is there. Like when this news broke and our in the huddle correspondent cams, Uh, from Brooklyn said in the chat this morning, NBA finals, baby, because Kevin Durant is going to be back in Brooklyn. I just said, bro, haven't we been saying this for the past two years since Kevin Durant has been in Brooklyn and what has happened? It's just been disappointment after disappointment. And I'm still just not entirely convinced that this Brooklyn net operation with Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving and Ben Simmons and Steve Nash is going to work. And there is part of me also that thinks like if you're the Brooklyn Nets, Clearly, you weren't on uh, good terms with Kevin Durant. You can't rely on Kyrie Irving. You can't rely on Ben Simmons. You don't have a good coach in Steve Nash. Why not just blow this whole thing up? And probably the answer is because they don't have any draft picks. The Houston Rockets have all of their draft picks, so they wouldn't even be able to rebuild through the draft. So right now, the Brooklyn Nets are at a crossroads. They're stuck. I get why they didn't trade Kevin Durant because they he, they still have him under contract for four more years and they couldn't find a deal that they thought was for the appropriate value. That's fine. But I don't see Kevin Durant winning an NBA finals in Brooklyn. And I don't think this operation is working. I don't. There are plenty of other teams in the East that I would put 
right now ahead of the Brooklyn Nets, Boston, and Milwaukee straight off the bat? I think for me, when you talk about making amends with Kevin Durant, there's a saying and a motto that I heard flirting around sports talk radio and how you deal with professional athletes. I can tolerate you till I can't replace you. The reality is, and the problem with that is there's no replacing Kevin Durant. So you got to deal with the BS and you got to tolerate it. Because as I said before, as I said before, excuse me, and as my guy Zay said in his first lap, you're not going to get a package that is worth the value of Kevin Durant. I mean, you think about all the offers that were presented and got leaked out about what these teams offered the Nets. Honestly, if I was your side, I would have smacked five out of all these cats. Are you talking about Atlanta Hawks only giving away um, DeAndre Hunter and John Collins? Smack? Okay, get out of here with that bull crap. I mean, the list goes on and on and on. I mean, come on, what are we doing here? Oh, the Grizzlies. Okay, I trade you picks, but you ain't touching Jaron Jackson Jr., but you ain't touching Desmond Bean. Mother, you insane. That's not going to fly with me. So when you have other people trying to BS you in this whole process, at the end of the day, you got to tolerate the untolerable. It happens. Listen, I have experience trying to start up my own little startup company myself. And there's been people that I had to tolerate. Talented people that came and, and actually did a lot for, you know, what I was trying to do. And I respected that. But sometimes these people was hard to deal with, bro. You're dealing with people from all over the world. OK, and I had to take a check at my ego and say, you know what? This person is talented. I don't want to lose this person. So guess what? I got to shut my mouth and make amends. It happens like that sometimes. And that's what Joe saw had to do, despite Kevin Durant coming out and saying, fire this coach or it's me or the coach and, and, and Sean Marks. Most times and not, you must be out of your cotton picking mind and think that you're going to talk to me that way and that's going to fly. But at the same time, Kevin Durant is that guy. Whether or not we want to come at him and nitpick at him and say, well, he hasn't won a playoff series and forever they got swept this, that, and the third. We all know from the eye test, we all got eyes that God gave us. And we can see pretty well, unless your name is Stevie Wonder. Kevin Durant is a top five player in the NBA. And right now, we can sit here and say we don't know about Brooklyn. Yeah, we never knew about Brooklyn. Brooklyn is so unpredictable. But at the same time, right now on paper, and I know you could come and shoot this down. Yeah, paper every year. It was on paper last year, the year before that. At one point, we had James Harden, Kevin Durant, and Kyrie Irving. No, Chip. Yeah, I get it. So I respect it. I'm not even going to debate nobody when it comes to that. But I know right now, if the paper can survive and, and literally be on paper for the whole season, this team is deep, and this team can compete. I mean, the guys that they added, TJ Warren, is a guy that I think is going to be a valuable piece for them because talking about 6'8", you know, he could score. He was averaging 19 points per game before he got hurt. You're talking about three-pointers, mid-range shots, and isolation basketball that you could literally pick up by these guys or available or unavailable. Those are guys that you want. Remember, when LMA was over there, what he was doing in the isolation in the mid-range, that helped the Nets. When he was hurt, they started to go downhill. So you need a guy like that. You talk about Royce O'Neal. I mean, the list goes on. Joe Harris, Cam Thomas. All they got to do is play their guys and play basketball and literally play basketball. And I think this team will be fine. I think Josiah will not regret making amends with Kevin Durant. Losha Dams. I think for me, part of what makes this uh, situation so interesting is because I think there are a, a, there's a lot of blame you could 
place on both parties. I, I mean, Will, I know that there were plenty of teams like the Hawks, like the Grizzlies that you mentioned that uh, gave the Nets some crazy offers that they would be uh, crazy to accept. But at the same time, didn't the Nets call up the Timberwolves and ask for Anthony Edwards and Carl Anthony Towns? Didn't the Nets call up the Boston Celtics and ask for Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown? At the same time, I don't think they were being very reasonable for the appropriate uh, price that they thought they could have gotten back. And then at the same time, you look at Kevin Durant, uh, he's asking the Nets to get rid of Sean Marks and to get rid of Steve Nash. And from Joe Sy's perspective, I get it because you've literally done everything this guy has wanted since he's walked into the door. He wanted Steve Nash. He wanted to get rid of Kenny Atkinson. He wanted James Harden. He wanted to get rid of all those good young players that got you to the playoffs the year before. And it's gotten you one playoff series win and an embarrassing sweep last year of the Boston Celtics, which is why... I just remember watching the Brooklyn Nets last season and watching the playoff series against the Celtics and that embarrassment take place. And I just remember saying to myself, like, if you're the Brooklyn Nets, this feels like enough is enough. Something has to change, whether it's the GM, whether it's the coach, whether you just start going on your own terms and your own operation of leadership, opposed to just listening to Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving, something has got to change. And the fact that literally, aside from a few nice role players, like nothing has really changed, like Kevin Durant... Uh, Kyrie Irving and Ben Simmons are still the best three players on these on this team. These are the three guys you're going to have to rely on when Kevin Durant, he's made it known that he has no interest in working with Steve Nash and Sean Marks again. Like, I just can't see this working out. Like, what a circus. You know, I think when we talk about this Brooklyn Nets team, they all have been saying things around this team organization. It just seems dysfunctional. It's funny enough that the this is the same thing that Kevin Durant didn't want to be a part of, a dysfunctional franchise. And I said it when he first came to this organization, this is going to be the worst organization he's ever been a part of. Because he went from OKC, who they were building something, they rebuilt that entire system over there with that new uh, franchise. It started off at Seattle and then changed over to Oklahoma City. And then he went over to um Golden, Golden State, which was a, a top-tier franchise something that everyone wishes to be a part of and get paid the top dollar that he was getting paid and to be over there win championships and play winning basketball to migrate all the way to the brooklyn nets who at one point was a very up-and-coming franchise they had a good coach they had a, a great front office they were doing the right moves they had all their draft they were getting all their draft picks back they were um building their roster from the rookies over to vets like guys like jared allen guys like Caris lavert and so on and so forth joe harris currently at the moment and then and went vice versa. They wanted to win now instead of building their roster. And now this is what you have. You, Kevin Durant was given everything. He was given the keys to make the moves, to be the quote-unquote LeBron James of this team. You make all the decisions. You make all the moves. We, we want to make you happy. We want to make sure that you are compliant here. What, what do you need us to do? And unfortunately, everything that they've done with the things that he wanted to happen all were, all were failures, things that, that, that shouldn't have happened. You, you got rid of Karis LeVert. You got rid of jared allen those two players were key components of what this team was gritty players guys who knew how to play their role guys who know how to do all these different things but we fast forward to now about the comments that kevin durant has made about this organization about the front office about the coaching and it's nothing different from what he was running away from maybe he needs to look inward and say maybe i need to change something within myself opposed to running to things that are per working perfectly well Clearly, if things are working perfectly well, and then you go over there and then everything goes to crap, that's a telling sign. Maybe I need to fix something within myself in order to make this thing work because it's clearly not them. It's possibly me. I mean, look, as much as we could come at the Brooklyn Nets and we have a right to and Kevin Durant and how Kevin Durant is acting, I still feel like the Nets are 
a way better team in a in a way better situation than the crosstown Lakers, like the across the state, should I say Lakers? Like you talk about LeBron James and trying to beat a LeBron James. Well, guess what? Kevin Durant is in a better position than LeBron James because as I look at that team, they still got Russell Westbrook on that team, and that team looked like it's going nowhere. At least over here, I know when these guys were available at various points, they were winning games, and that was just a bigger thing. So when you tell me, I right, roster, right? The roster got to be right, and it's not right. I'd rather take saying, all right, let me just show up. <laughs> if you if I could show up, then I know I could win. I'd rather take that headache than take this headache where no matter if you're showing up, no matter Russ play every game, bro. Russ never missed no games, but guess what? It's not amounting to anything because guess what? The guy don't want to listen, take heed, and, and go on the bench, and it doesn't fit. It doesn't work. So he can play every game, and Kyrie Irving can play less, and the Nets still be good, right? Because I think this team got depth. Right now, and now you're going from a situation where you're not having a fire sale. You actually at the bidding event and you can continue to add on to this roster. You can go after a Carmelo Anthony, a guy that can get you shots. You can go after probably a Miles Turner and try to trade for him and give you a versatile big that you can plug alongside Ben Simmons and your core three. So we'll have to see what it be. Ladies and gentlemen, any last thoughts, any last takes on this topic? Last quick thing, last thing, and I think this is, is, is crucial. Um, this Nets team, when we look at the standings, they, are, I believe, are still a top three Eastern Conference team, my opinion. They have role players, really good role players. Royce O'Neal, you got TJ Warren over there now. You have Seth Curry. You have Joe Harris, who will both be healthy coming into the season. Um, the center position is the real big question. But who's going to be out there? Is it going to be Claxton? Are they going to bring back Aldridge? What's going to happen over there at the center position? But they have a, a, a stout team on top of what they have with Simmons, Kyrie, and KD. No one's questioning that. The biggest issue is that what kind of uh, what can we anticipate with this team when these guys are always hurt? These guys are not on the floor. It's not the talent. It's about who is available. The best ability is availability. And that's one thing the Nets have yet to be available. And that's something we have to see moving forward because we don't know what's going to happen with Eastern Conference that is getting better on a um, damn near a month to month basis, it seems like. So we have to see what's going to happen with this team. Let me just throw one last thought at you guys. So Kevin Durant asked for Sean Marks and Steve Nash to be, or first he asked to be traded. That's number one, like a month ago. Then that didn't happen. Then he asked for Sean Marks and Steve Nash to be fired. The Nets say, no, that doesn't happen. And now all of a sudden, Kevin Durant is back in Brooklyn. He's going to be starting the season for the Nets. Do you guys really think Kevin Durant wants to be in Brooklyn right now? And if not, will that have an effect on the next season, because I'm banking on that. He doesn't want to be in Brooklyn right now. I think he's pretty miserable. And yeah, he's going to show up, come to work every day, ready to play. That's how Kevin Durant's wired. But at the same time, I just can't see it ending well. And I wouldn't I be mean, shocked if he's traded by the deadline. If Joe side just can't bite, bite his teeth anymore. I mean, this is the team he chose. <laughs> he didn't get traded there. He came over there in free agency. If you don't want to be a part of Brooklyn, then you just don't want to be a part of yourself. It's you. You chose where you want to be. You chose your coach. You chose you chose your management. You chose everything. So um, I just think Kevin Durant. And now we want I'm, some fired though. So <laughs> look, I, all I know is winning cures everything. And if these people right could be available and win games, you got your buddy over there. I know there were some classes back in college that I did not like that I didn't want to be in, but I had my best friend in there. I'm pretty good. You know what I'm saying? We go we gonna laugh and be the class clowns. I, I'm pretty good. That could hold me down. So he got his buddy Kyrie Irving over there. You know, and all they got to do is, is win. Like, who doesn't want to win? This championship, wherever he would have win. Steve Nash not capable a of, leading a lead, of leading a winning team? Like, like well, that's Steve what he Nash is still coach. here, you know? He picked the coach. 
he picked the coach. I know, but it seems to me that both you guys think like this, that thing is going to work out again. And like, I, I'm not there. I'm not. Personally, I feel like it's beyond like the coaching. I, th- I just think when you look at this next team, um, it, it's going to be different. Cause I feel like the Boston and Milwaukee, Boston and Milwaukee are two um, well-coached organizations. I feel like they're going to be fine. But I feel like the rest of the Eastern Conference is a, is a toss-up. It's not going to be like, oh, this team could go over them. Atlanta Hawks got DeJounte Murray. They'll be over them. I think right now, outside of Milwaukee and Boston, I don't see any and, other and team my, in that And Eastern Miami, as far as coaching. Miami, as far as coaching. Even, like, even Miami has shown that they've been inconsistent in that second half of the game. So even them, is like it's a, it's a toss-up between Miami and the Nets. Like, who's going to go, like, be in that top three yeah, conversation? I mean, I'm not trying to throw shots. He's a pretty good coach. He showed it this year. I'm Udoka, but the guy came out of nowhere. You know what I'm saying? This is his first year being a really a real head coach and leader of men, and he almost won a championship. You argue he should have. So, you know, at the end of the day, there is a level where in certain situations you want to have a coach that knows how to go into his roster when his guys are struggling. Guys like Mike Malone, I noticed that when they had that little run in the playoffs, he wasn't scared to go deeper to his bench. You want to have those guys that can make the X's and O's adjustments. But at the same time, it's not everything. Like it's a, it could be a big part in, in a lot of things down the stretch, but it's not everything. I think when you have talent, Sometimes that could override just having a coach that could just be a leader of men that, you know, coaches that are leaders of men sometimes win championship championships. They're not excellent those guys. So I think um, Steve Nash, eventually, I don't see him being a book of net for long. I'll tell you that.